What's up? <laughs> this is weird. And everyone kept telling me I looked like a superstar, and now I really feel like one because of all the applause. It's really great. Um, hey, guys, I'm Megan, and I'm an intern here at the house this year. Um, I went to UTC, and junior year, I fell in love with this place. And ever since then, I just can't get away. I am so happy. I'm so thankful that I get to work here this year. And I'm even happier that I get to spend this year with you guys, for real. Um, I also really love having fun. Fun is my jam, and it could be my middle name. And I love going on fun adventures. I love eating at fun places. I love fun games. And I really love costume parties. So check it out. Costumes. <laughs> Pilgrim. <laughs> and so that right there is hot sauce Megan. And this is me about to go to a Halloween party where I would act like I was a pro at living my life to the fullest. I would convince everyone that I had tons of friends, that I knew how to have so much fun all the time. And I would show up to house events, and I would mingle, and I would meet people, and I would do dance parties on point. And then I would leave, and I would go home, and I would watch Netflix alone in my room. And I had everyone convinced that I was so alive and I felt so dead inside. I confess that I wear a costume. So tonight we're gonna read a story about taking off our costumes, about taking off our grave clothes. And we're looking at a story about how Jesus calls a dead man into life and he asks him to take off his grave clothes. And we're also looking at a story about how Jesus calls all of us from death into life, and he asks us to take off our grave clothes. So will you all pray with me? Father, thank you so much, so much for the opportunity to be up here. Thank you for loving me so much and loving this room so much. I pray that your spirit would flood the room and that he would surround everyone in here and that he would speak these words to us that we would awake from the dead so that Christ can shine on us. Amen. Okay, so Lazarus was an ordinary man and he lived an ordinary life and then he got really sick. And Lazarus's sisters, Mary and Martha, sent word to Jesus and they said, our brother is sick, come see him. And Lazarus waited four days to go see him. Four days. Four days may not seem like a long time, but four days dead or even in a coma is a really long time. And just to put this into perspective, if a person's heart stops beating, he can only live 
20 minutes. And then even if Lazarus was in a coma, he wasn't dead. It would still take him 24 hours to come to, and then even two more weeks to recover to full health. So four days is a really long time. And Jesus knows this. He knows all of this and he waits. He waits four days to go see Lazarus. And so he waits four days and Lazarus is dead. And Jesus arrives to the town of Bethany where Lazarus is at. And as he gets to the edge of the town, Mary and Martha run out to come meet Lazarus. And when they meet him, they go, Lord, if you had been here sooner, our brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus looks at them and he says, your brother will rise again. And Martha fights back and she says, well, I know that. I know he'll rise again on the last day. And Jesus says, no, no, no. I am the way and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me, though he died yet shall he live. And everyone who believes in me and lives with me shall never die. And so Mary and Martha are hearing this, but get this, they've, been, they've had four days waiting on Jesus and they've started this grieving process. They're sad, their brother is dead. I mean, they've entered this mourning process. They're probably calling all of their, all their family members, all their friends. They're saying, listen, our brother died. This is sad. Let's have a ceremony to celebrate him. And Jesus is looking at them and he's saying, your brother will rise from the dead. Can you even imagine that? Can you imagine you know that your brother is dead and someone is telling you that he's going to raise again? Not now. I mean, not later, not in heaven, but he's going to be resurrected right now. So, we know this Lazarus is dead. He's so dead. Jesus has left no argument. He's left no room for us to even argue the fact that he's dead. And so Jesus heads out to the tomb where Lazarus is at, and he gets to the cave where, he, where Lazarus is laying. It's this big cave, and hundreds of other dead people are lying there. Hundreds of dead people are in this cave along with Lazarus. And Lazarus is lying beside dead people, right beside him. And he might even be stacked in between dead people. I mean, Lazarus is literally surrounded by death. And Jesus, he stands at the edge of the tomb and he looks in and he calls out, come out, Lazarus. And immediately, Lazarus walks out of the tomb. He walks out of the tomb. He, like, he was dead, like one second ago. Jesus spoke, and he walked out. In case this seems like no big deal, I'll tell you, Jesus, with the power of his voice, his voice, he, did do, he didn't do anything else, called Lazarus from the dead. That's crazy, for real. And Jesus tells us throughout scripture, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus has the ability to raise dead things to life. What? What? Okay, so Lazarus comes out of the tomb and his hands and his feet and his face are bound with these linens, these soiled linens 
And Lazarus says, take off your grave clothes. So Lazarus has been lying in this tomb surrounded by death for four days. And he smells bad. He looks bad. These horrible, rotting linens are surrounding him. And so he walks out of the tomb. He's alive, but he still looks and smells and acts and moves like he's really dead. He looks like a zombie, like a mummy. He's alive, but he still looks dead. We are all like Lazarus. We are all dead apart from Jesus. Okay, not literally, but we are living like we haven't been offered new life. We're clinging to sin and death, and we're not running towards life. You may not identify with this, but I'll tell you the scripture says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world. And just as he called Lazarus out of the tomb, Jesus is calling us out of our tombs. But many of us, even if we are living life with Jesus right now, are still wearing our grave clothes. We still have our old, dead ways of life latched on to our new lives. So what does this look like for me? I have been offered new life in Christ, and I have been made alive in Christ, and I still wear my grave clothes. I've experienced real resurrection and redemption in my life, and I still wear my grave clothes to keep myself safe. So I live in this constant state of, I'm fine, I'm okay. You guys get me? I'm sure some of you do this. And so I stuff my feelings. I have feelings, but I stuff them deep inside of me. I stuff them down and I avoid the reality of them. At some point during my life, I told myself, this is a good idea. Avoid the pain, avoid the emotions. A good idea was to just overcome my emotions by pushing them to the side. And, and I told myself that I needed to be strong and I needed to be tough. And now I'm 22 years old and I still stuff my feelings inside. I still am avoiding my emotions. I don't want to feel sad so I choose to be happy. And I don't want to be angry. So I say, it's fine. I'm afraid that if I ever do take off my protection, I can't handle what's underneath. I'll discover that I actually am sad. I actually am angry. I'm weak. And I'm afraid I can't handle what's actually going on. And the crazy thing is, I can't, I can't handle it. And so I start to peel away some of my grave clothes. I'm peeling them away and I'm finding things that I don't want to find. I'm peeling off my costume and I'm finding more. 
find that I am really jealous. I find that jealousy just clouds my mind. I can't stop being jealous. I'm jealous of friends, and I'm jealous of coworkers. I'm jealous of strangers. I don't think I'm good enough. I think I need to be better. And so I compare and I compete. And I perform and because I think I need to be the best at everything. I think I need to be awesome and wonderful and amazing all the time at everything. And then I start to think, well, maybe, maybe if I'm the best, I'll stop being so jealous. I'll stop being so insecure with who I am. And I think maybe I can handle that. And so I'm peeling away more grave clothes. I'm continuing to peel them away. I'm taking off my costume and I find more grave clothes. And these grave clothes are even worse than the ones before. They're even more embarrassing. They're even more gross. And they're way more obvious than the ones, they're way more obvious than the ones I had before. I'm scared that there are so many layers. I'm afraid that I'll discover at the core of who I am, I'm just jealous and I'm just angry and I'm self-consumed and I'm bad. I'm afraid that once I reveal who I really am, I'm not gonna like what I see and no one else will either. And I'm afraid that God won't be there to heal me, that he'll look at me and he'll say, yeah, I've been trying to tell you this is just who you are. And I know I cannot handle this. So I keep the grave clothes on I wear my costume so I can ignore the reality of this. I avoid pain, I put them back on. I put all my grave clothes on to keep myself safe. But Jesus keeps calling me out of the tomb. He keeps bothering me, he keeps coming back and he's knocking on my door and he's saying, Megan, come out, take off your grave clothes. One of the places I can see myself living out a resurrected life and still wearing my grave clothes is in the relationship with my sister. Hey, Morg. <laughs> Younger sister right here. You saw her up here? She was the baby in the Minnie Mouse. Yeah. Um, growing up, we played a lot of games. And all the games were an outlet for me to be a bully. Seriously, we played army, and I was the army sergeant, and I said, Morgan, push-ups now, more, 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 more. <laughs> and we played jail, and of course I was the policeman, and so in goes Morgan into the dog pen, lock her up. I go play more games by myself, and then later I let her out of jail. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And we played talent show. This seems fun, right? So I get up, I do my dance, my tap dance, and I'm like feeling really good. And Morgan's in the audience and she's clapping for me and she's saying, this is amazing, Megan, you get a 10. And then she comes up, she does her little jig. 
And I'm sitting in the audience and I'm saying, okay, Morgan, I'm gonna give you a four, but that means you can get better. I was mean. And I spent my whole childhood, the entirety of my childhood, being the bad sister, the worst kind of sister. I spent all of my energy being jealous, annoyed, frustrated with her. I did not love her well at all. And then I went off to college, and college is great, and I learned how to be a good friend. I learned what it was like to love people and actually be loved and how, how I can be myself around people and open up and be vulnerable and how to have compassion on people and how to step into friends' hardships and struggles. And I learned what it looked like to be a sister, what it looked like to be a good sister. But I didn't know how to put it into action. I wanted, to reconcile my, I wanted to reconcile my relationship with my sister, but I had spent the last 22 years of my life not doing that. I was running away from that. I was wearing my grave clothes and I was comfortable. And my jealousy and my frustration had become attached to my identity as a sister. I couldn't get rid of it. And I was living out a resurrected life in so many areas of my life. I was at the house, I was a leader at the house. I was saying, I love Jesus. And I was simultaneously falling so short in my role as a sister. And I was afraid to take off my grave clothes because honestly, I didn't think she would like or believe what was underneath. I mean, how, how could she actually believe that I did know how to love people? and that I did know how to be real and open and I was a good friend and I did love Jesus. I was protecting myself and I was avoiding all of the pain. And I'll tell you, Morgan is great. You should get to know her. She's so wonderful and I'm so proud of who she is. I'm so proud of what she's doing in her life and I appreciate her. She's such a good sister to me. And I'm working really hard to heal the past 22s of, 22 years of my life, but it's hard. And right now I'm stepping into a new life as a sister and I'm peeling off my grave clothes and it is such a long process and I don't know how long it's gonna take. I'm constantly stripping them away and I have to believe that my relationship with Morgan can be redeemed. I have to trust God. I have to believe that he's faithful and he will resurrect my friendship and my sisterhood with Morgan. So I'm peeling away my grave clothes and I keep peeling them away. And I peel the first layer off and I see more. And I'm like, maybe I'll peel off more and I'm seeing more and I'm trying to take them off and I can't. I literally can't do it, I'm so tired. And Jesus comes to me and he says, I will have to help you. I will have to undress you. And so Jesus, with his power, rips away our grave clothes. He rips them away. 
And once our skin is bare, once, we're, once we don't have any grave clothes on, he cleans us and he gives us brand new clothes. He gives me new Megan clothes. He gives me new sister clothes. I'll tell you, Jesus is looking at all of you and he's calling you out of your tomb and he's saying, take off your grave clothes. But what does this look like? We must first know what our grave clothes are. We have to know what's keeping us from stepping into new life. We have to know what we're hiding from. We have to know what's holding us back. What kind of costumes are we wearing? I'll tell you, my grave clothes look a lot like jealousy and pride. What are you wearing? What is your costume? And we must trust Jesus and believe that he created us, not our grave clothes. We have to battle our insecurities. We have to battle our fear. And we must believe that Jesus is trying to reward us with new life. He's not punishing us with death. We must believe that we are so much more than our grave clothes. So I graduated with a biology degree and I took a lot of classes where I dissected animals. And dissection is a cool process because you're looking at this slimy dead thing and it smells horrible. And you're really scared to know what's underneath. I mean, it could have leftover poop, food, inside of it. I mean, it's gross, but you're also so excited to see what's underneath. How much more intricate could this thing be? Yeah. So I was in a class last year and we're dissecting a shark. And I'm given this shark and it's slimy and it smells bad. I'm like plugging my nose and um, I'm looking at it and I cut into it and I'm I'm, I'm looking inside its body cavity and I see its heart and I see its stomach and I have its intestines in my hand and I'm putting them to the side and I see babies. Inside this dead shark is life. Now granted, this is not a happy ending. This is not a happy story. But I think we can look at this story in order to understand ours better. We have to be cut open. We have to peel away our grave clothes. And we have to lift up our guts in order to see new life revealed. Okay, so God isn't going to come at you with a scalpel and he's not going to dissect you. Okay, you can breathe. But... He is going to peel away our skin. He's going to peel away our grave clothes. And we're going to be left wide open. And are we afraid? Are we afraid to find new life within us? Is it, it is going to be hard to start fresh and new. I'm really comfortable in my grave clothes. They're warm. They're comfy. And I don't want to take them off. I, I've come to terms. I am jealous and I'm prideful. And I don't know what it's gonna look like to start new. I don't know what it's gonna look like putting on new clothes. How about you guys? 
Are you too comfortable to step out of the tomb? Are you too comfortable to risk new life? We have got to tear away our grave clothes and we must welcome Jesus into this process because we can't do it alone. And it's gonna feel a lot like dying, but we cannot experience full life unless we do this. And as Jesus begins to take off our grave clothes, one by one, we're not gonna be beautiful or sculpted or perfectly tan. We're gonna look gross, we're gonna look rough. I mean, imagine winter to summer. You've got on all these layers in the winter, sweaters and scarves, you're covered from head to toe. And then almost immediately at spring break, we got on our bikini and we're looking down saying, how did this happen? Like, why do we look so bad? <laughs> it's true, this is real. Or we've broken our arm and we have this cast on our arm for six weeks, eight weeks, something like that. And we go to the doctor and the doctor takes off our cast and our skin is wrinkly and pasty and all of our dead skin, it's falling off. It smells a little rotten, I'm telling you. And, and the muscle, it's so skinny compared to this arm. You've been doing everything with this arm. It's literally that rough, we look bad. But I'll tell you, Jesus gives us new clothes. He gives us brand new clothes. He replaces our smelly, gross, grave clothes, and he gives us new, shiny life clothes. Jesus raised a dead man to life, and he's offering us all new life right now. Jesus wants us to be alive. And not only do we welcome Jesus into this process, but we welcome our community into this process. Jesus works in our community. And so we start to be open and real and vulnerable in our small groups or with our friendships or with our roommates or in our homes. And we've got to stop hiding from ourselves. We have to. For me, for me, it looks like actually writing out the things I'm hiding from, bringing them to the surface. So, I have a story that I want to tell y'all to help illustrate this idea of taking off our grave clothes and being given new clothes. And it's from a children's book um, from the Narnia series called The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. And this is a pretty good clip so y'all can sit back and relax. You don't have to take notes on this. This is just fun. So, sit back. Kick your feet up. Okay. So Lucy and Edmund and their cousin Eustace return to Narnia and they're taken aboard a ship with Prince Caspian. And the ship stops at several islands and at one island Eustace wanders away from the crew and happens upon a cave where he witnesses the death of a dragon. And when he's sure the dragon is dead, he enters the cave and he discovers that it is one huge treasure chest. So Eustace begins loading up his pockets with the treasure and he ends up falling asleep on the treasure. 
only to wake up and find that he's turned into a dragon himself. It is here that Aslan enters the picture and Eustace realizes that Aslan wants him to follow him. And they end up at this bubbling well with marble steps going down into it. And Eustace says, the water was as clear as anything. And I thought if I could get in there and bathe it would ease the pain in my leg. But the lion, Aslan, told me I must undress first. Mind you, I don't know if he said the words out loud or not. And I was just going to say I couldn't undress because I hadn't any clothes on. When I suddenly thought dragons are snaky sort of things and snakes can cast their skins, they can peel their skin off. Oh, of course, thought I, that's what the lion means. So I started scratching myself and my scales began coming off all over the place. And I scratched a little deeper and instead of just scales coming off here and there, my whole skin started peeling off beautifully like it does after an illness or as if I was a banana. And in a minute or two, I just stepped out of it. I could see it lying there right beside me looking rather nasty. It was a most lovely feeling and I started to go down into the well for my bath. But just as I was going to put my feet into the water, I looked down and I saw that they were all hard and rough and wrinkled and scaly just as they had been before. Oh, that's all right, said I. It only means I had another smaller suit on underneath the first one and I'll just have to get it off too. So I scratched and I tore again and this underskin peeled off beautifully and out I stepped and left it lying beside the other one and went down to the well for my bath. Well, exactly the same thing happened again. And I thought to myself, oh dear, however many skins have I got to take off? For I was longing to bathe my leg. So I scratched away for the third time and got off a third skin, just like the two others, and I stepped right out of it. But as soon as I looked at myself in the water, I knew it had been no good. And then the lion said, you will have to let me undress you. I was afraid of his claws, and I can tell you, I was pretty nearly desperate now. So I just let him do it. I let him peel them off. I let him rip them off. And the very first tear he made was so deep that I thought it had gone right into my heart. And when he began peeling back the skin, it hurt worse than anything I've ever felt. The only thing that made me able to bear it was just the pleasure of feeling the stuff peel off. You know, if you've ever picked the scab of a sore place, it hurts bad, but it's such fun to see coming away. So he peeled the beastly stuff right off and just as I thought I'd done it before, the last three times, only they hadn't hurt. And there it was lying on the grass, only so much thicker and darker and more knobbly looking than the other ones. And there I was, smooth and soft and smaller than I had ever been. And he caught a hold of me and I didn't like it much because I was very tender, but he threw me into the water and it stung then it started to feel really nice and I started swimming and splashing and I found that all the pain had gone away from my arm and I saw why I'd turned into a boy again I was Eustace and so after a bit the line took me out and he dressed me in new clothes the same I've got on now as a matter of fact
Okay, so you're thinking I'm not a dragon. There's no lion following me. But I, but I know that we have on these costumes and we're ripping off our costumes and we keep seeing that they're there. And then Jesus comes along and he says, I'm gonna have to help you. I'm gonna have to undress you. And Jesus takes off our costume and he gives us new clothes. He takes off our grave clothes and he gives us new life clothes. My hope for you guys is that we can step into new life and that we can take off our grave clothes. My hope is that we can all be alive, that we can wear these new clothes that Jesus has given us. Let us all Let us all walk from death into life. Let us take off our grave clothes. Let us be alive. Can we all walk out of the tomb together? Let me pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for life. Thank you for giving us such a good picture of what life looks like. Thank you, just thank you so much for everything you do. Um, I want to pray over this room. I want to welcome the Holy Spirit into this process, and I want to pray, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Amen.